And everybody said, praise the Lord. I appreciate your kindness in standing, but if you've ever been to a Catholic funeral, you may be seated. Because I'm telling you what, don't ever let folks tell you that Pentecostals are up and down. Everybody can be seated. Everybody ought to go to a Catholic funeral. You'd appreciate Pentecost. Folks talk about how active we are. I went to a funeral here a while back, officiated by Catholicism, and I've never seen such in my life. Had us up and down, kneeling between the pews. It got so smoky in there you couldn't hardly see. And, and the man officiating had to have his cup refilled several times. It was a long funeral. <laughs> he ran out of juice and had to have his cup refilled. Give a new meaning to my cup runneth over. And by the time it was over, you couldn't even see the platform for the smoke. And uh, so I know Pentecostals are up and down, up and down. But what a joy it is to be here in the state of Michigan again. It's been, uh, I guess the last time I was here, I was privileged to be a part of one of your men's conferences. And it's a high honor to be in the state of Michigan. And whenever we come to the state of Michigan, uh, since my daughter married Brian Ballestero, it's like family reunion around here. Brother Brian Ballestero really messed me up. My daughter married him, and I've been forever challenged in this respect. I can't talk about anybody. <laughs> Brian Ballesteros kin to everybody. And so, man, he, he made a Christian out of me. Probably the greatest thing the Lord ever sent to my life besides my wife Patsy was Brian Ballesteros. His brother, he, put, he locked my lips. He's kin to everybody in the world. And I look out here tonight and it looks like family reunion for all of those wonderful people and, and some of the greatest people in the world. The pedigree of Pentecostalism and, and the uh, commitment of many, many years to the cause of God and the tradition of truth and the legacy of loving and living for God and lifting Him up. There's nothing greater in this world than that. I see Brother Clark here tonight. I think he's even involved, and I won't talk about you, Brother Clark. You, 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 may be, you may be part of that family. See what I mean? You can't talk about anybody. Superintendent said he's in that, in that bunch. I'm telling you, it's amazing. I, I say that in all likeness, but it's one of the greatest, most prized blessings in my life that my grandchildren, if you look in the ministerial directory of the United Pentecostal Church, you'll see two Huntleys. That's me and my brother. And that's it, folks. But when my daughter married Brian Ballestero, now there are over 80 apostolic preachers in their family. You ought to clap your hands for that. That's phenomenal. Yeah. And my grandson's name, Brother Trammell wants me to tell you that my grandson, my first grandson, he got two now. My first grandson's name is Huntley Star Ballestero. So I think I can use my grandson to get me a little inroad into Michigan. But that is a mighty, mighty blessing. And then sitting in this audience are personal friends that are wonderful friends to me. And if I start calling names, I'm going to mess up.
But I'm going to tell you what. I am privileged to be a part of the United Pentecostal Church. Give a strong hand clap for that. We need to appreciate the family of God. Church of the living God. And the highest introduction that could be given to me would be one, desirous to be called a Christian. And then also just to be called brother. To be a part of the family of God. Is the greatest privilege in all the world. And Brother Carpenter and Brother Trammell have been friends for a long, long time. And then uh, if you don't know the McCools and Pentecost, you don't know the Apostle Peter probably. You know, you probably wouldn't know Paul if you haven't heard that legendary name. So this district is incredibly blessed with marvelous preachers, wonderful talent, and great ability for the kingdom of God. I'd ask you to stand one more time for the reading of the word. It's a joy to be here. And I'm honored, highly honored to be invited when I acknowledge uh, the fact that you could have chosen whoever you would like and they would be privileged to be here. And uh, I feel very humbled by your invitation and greatly challenged. And I do not take it lightly, nor do I come tonight to serve you Pentecostal cotton candy. I don't like cotton candy. I never have. Ever since I was a child, I didn't like cotton candy. Pack your jaws with it, and about the time you get ready to enjoy it, it's gone. I don't want a cotton candy camp meeting. The real quality of test of our camp meeting will not be what happens this week, but what happens in your church on Sunday. And what happens at your midweek service next week? It's not what you get here. It's what you take from here that's going to make the difference in the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm vitally concerned about. Not only that, I love the church and I'm concerned about the church and I'm very much desirous, zealous, and jealous for truth to take this world. And that's my passion, my desire. So I start tonight with what I feel is foundational for this moment for the United Pentecostal Church and the Apostolic Movement. I read out of the book of Psalm, chapter 85, and verse number 6. So good to see brother and sister Ballesteral, wonderful people who raised a young man that has meant so very, very much to my life. Finest Christians I've ever known. And God gave us him. And we love him so very, very much. And appreciate him. And I thank brother and sister Ballesteral for their contribution to Raleigh, North Carolina, and most especially to the Huntley family. I deeply respect him. He's a man of God has found his place in God's kingdom. Psalm 85, verse number 6. We're only going to read one verse of Scripture tonight, and so I would ask you, if you would join with me to read aloud, please, the word of the Lord. Psalm 85, verse number 6. Ready? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? One more time. Wilt thou not 
revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. Turn around to your neighbor in sincerity and not, not nonchalantness but with gravity because I think all of us could say it with truthfulness. I need a revival. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I preach to you tonight on the subject, the true definition of revival. The true definition of revival. The message I bring to you tonight is a result of both personal observation and a quickening of the spirit while in prayer. It's amazing how this kind of harmonized. I began to see it as I am privileged to traverse the fellowship of the apostolic church. I am privileged to be in a diversity of meetings across our fellowship. So I have a pretty good broad spectrum of what's happening in the realm of the apostolics presently. And I had observed this with not a great bit of attention until in prayer the Spirit of the Lord prompted it to my mind. It's kind of like how in the world did I miss this? It's so glaringly obvious, so much evident when I saw the Spirit turn the light on it. It's like I had been skirting around an elephant in the sanctuary. That's how large it seemed to be to me when God turned the light on this subject. And I think every preacher here at, no, at some time in your ministry no doubt has felt the same way. When all of a sudden you're like, how did I miss that? When God focuses our attention on a particular subject. Due to our emphasis, our focus, and our passion on developing people-friendly churches. I thank God that the apostolic church has moved up in its presentation of who we are and what we have and the way that we have church. I thank God that we are presenting our beautiful truth. One verse in the Bible talks about adorning the doctrine. That we have come to a place to realize that nobody in town ought to give a classier presentation of what they're doing than the apostolic church. No restaurant, no business, no other denominational church. When you walk through the doors of the apostolic church, it ought to be a five-star, first-class presentation because we are the people of truth. Would you clap your hands if you know truth deserves the best? Truth deserves the best. So our, our churches have developed in that friendliness and in our outreaches and better marketing of the church. And because of that, we have enjoyed unprecedented success and progress. 
more people are receiving the Holy Ghost tonight than ever in the history of the apostolic church. If you don't believe it, clap your hands because I know it's true anyway. Some folks want to deny it. Some folks want to divert around it. I'm here to preach to you that more people are receiving the Holy Ghost right now than in the history of the apostolic church since the day of Pentecost. Our churches are larger than ever. I hope you all are not against big churches. Our churches are larger than ever. In some areas, we have the largest church in town. It's my passion that the apostolic church in every town would be the largest church in your community. Our buildings are magnificent. We have some of the most glamorous, luxurious, architecturally designed, eye-arresting edifices in our cities. I thank God for that. Our programs are second to none. We have worked on them and honed them until we know how to have church. And we know how, as it is said today, we know how to do church. We do it better than anybody in town. And since I'm only going to preach two nights a little bit during the day, I want to say everything I can say because I am challenged that truth on the sign is not enough. We need to present it with power, with class, with authority, and with the very best of our ability, with planning. But in, the, in lieu of all of that, it has become a burden and concern of my soul that while evangelism is increasing, revival is decreasing. I feel the apostolic church needs to simply revisit the acute awareness of the marked distinction between revival and evangelism. We need a true definition of revival. Now, I'm going to be a little controversial right here. Hang on, I don't want to embarrass you. I told you I try to be nice when I preach. If no other time, I try to be nice when I'm preaching. So I don't want to set anybody up for an embarrassment. You better just listen to this. Don't say amen. There's a trap here. Don't embarrass you. I've heard people say, Brother Trammell, man, we had 10 to get the Holy Ghost last weekend. We had revival. That is not revival. That is evangelism. Evangelism is what happens to sinners. Revival is what happens to saints. Hey. Oh, yes. 
And the thing that's got me fired up is I see a lot happening to sinners and not much happening to saints. I see a whole lot going on in the community of the lost, but not nearly as much happening in the community of the saved. I've come to Michigan to tell you the apostolic church needs a revival. We need a revival. Too long in our mindset we have yoked the two together and made them almost synonymous. And in some areas I have, I've, I've observed that evangelism is a camouflage cover for a pitiful church. Folks talk about all the new folks that are coming in. And they brag on how many new folks they've got. That is evangelism. But the thing I've observed and the Spirit has brought to my attention is we need a revival. The psalmist said, Wilt thou not revive thy people again? I wish somebody would shout with me, I need a revival. Michigan needs a revival. My church needs a revival. You see, evangelism is a sinner coming to an altar with tears streaming down their face. That's evangelism. But revival is a saint falling out in an aisle at the end of a sermon and saying, I need God. I need God. How long has it been since you've seen a saint of God step out in the aisles with tears flowing down their face and make their way to an altar and pray like a hell-bound sinner? When saints start praying like hell-bound sinners, we're having revival. I'm going to mess with you just a little bit more here. Matter of fact, We've moved so far from revival that a lot of congregations don't want you messing with them. Just deal with the sinners. Leave the saints alone. The only hope of this church is that the saints can be messed with and that they can be renewed and they can be restored and they can be revived. The hope of the world is a revival in the apostolic church. Evangelism is a sinner receiving the Holy Ghost. Revival is a saint receiving a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I pause long enough to tell you that we need a renewing in the Holy Ghost. I'll come to it a little more in just a moment. Evangelism is the lost being charged and chained. Revival is the church, the saints, 
being charged, being changed. You expect the new converts to change everything overnight. How long has it been since you changed just a little bit in your experience with God? How long has it been since you changed anything in your relationship with God? Evangelism is sinners being convicted, committed. Revival is saints being convicted and committed. While we are flourishing in evangelism, in many areas we are withering in revival. Let me show you my observation that tells me we need revival. Somebody shout, we need revival. We need revival. When we have full pews and empty prayer rooms, we need revival. It's not how many are in the sanctuary. It's how many are in the prayer room. We need revival. When instead of snap, crackle, and pop like Rice Krispies, the saints lay in the bottom of the bowl and soak up the milk. Oh, I know some of you already put you all up against me tonight because you don't want to be messed with. But if we're going to win our world, somebody's going to have to mess with you. You need a preacher to look you in the face and tell you you need a revival. You need a revival. Turn around and somebody say, I came to camp mean to get a revival. I came to camp meeting to get a revival. The best thing that could happen in the state of Michigan during this camp meeting would be for an old-fashioned revival to start. When the majority are spectators and the minority are worshipers, we need revival. When the worship doesn't go past the first three rows. And when folks want to go out after church and brag about what a shouting time we had, if you don't do it, you don't have a right to brag about it. I said, if you know we need it and you love it, some of you better get on your feet and help us preserve it because the devil's trying to kill this church. The devil's trying to modernize this church. The devil's trying to cool this church. And we come to camp meeting to get fired up. When the guests compliment and the saints complain in the same service. When the guests compliment and the saints complain in the same service. This church needs a revival. Miracles happen. People get healed. Folks feel with the Holy Ghost. And before you get out of the church, I need to talk to you. Could I have a minute with you? What do you want to talk about? How great the service was tonight? How wonderful the blessing of God was tonight? 
Matthew chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. I believe they're going to help me here. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house. I recently read that verse, and it leaped out of the Scriptures. The most murmuring people in the church are the ones that's been there the longest. The Bible said the ones that had been there the longest were the ones that were fussing and fuming and gripping and groaning and complaining. You know why? They need a revival. The problem in the church tonight is not the new people. It's an unprecedented day when our struggles are not with our new converts. It's with those that need a revival. When they first came in the church, they thought it was the greatest choir in the world. When they first came in the church, thought he's the greatest man of God in the world. When they first came in the church, you could say Jesus is good and they'd be on their feet. But after a while, they're moaning and griping and grumbling and complaining. Too hot, too cold, too loud. Can't hear. I'm telling you, all that too stuff is a symptom of the fact that this church needs an old-fashioned revival. Show you something else I noticed just recently. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied. There arose a murmuring. Multiplying produces murmuring. And growth produces grumbling. If you're not having revival with your evangelism. Can't even find a place to park around here. Can't even find a place to sit down around here. Air conditioner can't keep up. Too many people. Babies pouring milk on our pews. Heathens don't even know how to act when they come to church. And Preacher can't even come eat my apple pie and drink coffee with me anymore. Don't even have time to shake my hand anymore. If that's your attitude, you need a revival. You need a revival. I was in the airport the other day, and maybe I've got a weird sense of humor, but I love this. It was so funny. You know, Southwest Airlines hires reject comedians. 
they hire wannabe comedians that can't make it on the stage, so they make it in a plane where you ain't got no way to get out. And they tell corny jokes. Well, I was walking down the terminal, and there was some gentleman that was supposed to be on a flight that was about to leave. And they called his name. I'm going to call him Sam McGillicuddy. They call this man's name. And they said, Sam McGillicuddy, please report to gate such for an immediate departure. And this is what they said. They said, honey, we love you, but we will leave you. a message for this church honey we love you but this church will leave you if you don't get up and get a revival in your soul and a revival in your spirit turn around and somebody say I need a revival I need a revival if all you do when you come to church is see the negative stuff, you need a revival. If all you see is the bad stuff, you need a revival. It's not the church has changed. You've changed. And you need another baptism of the Holy Ghost. When it's easier to pray sinners through than professing Christians, We need a revival. The reason some of you are going to be slow coming to this place tonight to pray through is because you don't know whether you can or not. And you'd rather not be put on the spot. But I'm going to let the cat out of the bag tonight. My goal and my mission from the Lord, I'm not concerned about how many Christ or how many sinners receive the Holy Ghost. I'm concerned about how many saints get renewed in the Holy Ghost. My understanding of camp meeting is, as your superintendent said, to strengthen us, to edify us, to renew us. And there's nothing that will do that like everybody that claims the Holy Ghost in this room tonight. Getting it all over again. When you get all mad and huffy and puffy because some young, not dry, behind-the-ears evangelist runs back there and says, That's God, you need, a, you need a blessing. Get out of here. And you get all mad and you say, I've had the Holy Ghost longer than he's been in this world. I know more about God than, he, than he'll ever learn. I forgot more Bible verses than he'll memorize. I want to tell you. Now listen carefully to my statement. Because you already don't like my preaching. That's the problem with us. We have become celebrity branded Pentecostals. And the reason we like some folks is because they tickle our ears and they say what we want to hear. We need to loose our pulpits in this apostolic church and let somebody preach what saith the Lord. 
I've read the Bible a few times. Now, listen to me carefully. There is not one verse in the Bible, Brother Henson, that I've ever read that said just like this, that if you don't receive the Holy Ghost, you're not saved. I want you to be shocked because you think, preaching our camp meeting, you don't even believe the message. Yeah, it's a trap. It's a trap. Because the Bible said in Titus 3, 5, we'll tell every sinner in the world that if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to hell. But Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. I don't know a one verse that says you've got to have it, but I do know one that says you've got to renew it. And we're heavy on making people receive it, and we're light on renewing it. How long's it been since you talked in tongues? How long's it been since you got Holy Ghost drunk? How long's it been since the Spirit came on you and you laughed and danced in the Holy Ghost? When we have more to shout about, and we do it less. When we have more to shout about and we do it less, we need revival. You folks are living in houses you only dreamed you'd live in. You're driving automobiles you never thought you would own. You've got multiple houses. You've got more cars than you get in your garages, more food than you get in your refrigerator, more clothes than you get in your car, in your closet. you got some air conditioning in the tabernacle. But there was a day when they had dirt on the floor, open air, and they'd roll in the floor, they'd jump the pews, they'd shout. We've got more to shout about now, and we do it less. What's wrong with us? We need revival. seats, front row seats. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, If it was the pistons against the bull, there wouldn't be any 25 empty seats on the front row. If this was a rock concert, there wouldn't be any empty seats on the front row. Pentecost is the only meeting that you have to come late to get a front row seat. 
because the crowd fills in from the back. I was preaching to Raleigh the other day. Don't think I'm preaching something I don't preach or not. I was preaching to Raleigh the other day, and I saw people sliding back. In the, I, you folks, if you didn't think you'd get on, run over, you'd have your chair out there in the middle of Lake Wheeler Road. I don't understand when we claim to have it and we want to get as far from it as we can. Put a balcony in. Let me hide up there. Put another row of pews in. Let me sit back there. I'm going to tell you what the problem is. We need a revival. Somebody shout, we need a revival. I'm going to make a statement. You shout, we need a revival. When our faith is little, when our vision is small, when our burden is light, when our passion is low, we need a Holy Ghost revival in this house. Stand up, clap your heads and shout, I need a revival. You may be seated. When saints play multiple choice with a church's schedule of services. You understand that point? Church has two services on Sunday. Which one are we going to? Something's got to happen in this apostolic church. It's a shame when we have 100 on Sunday and 25 on Wednesday night. It's a shame when we have 300 on Sunday and 100 on Wednesday night. Somebody needs a revival to where they say, I want to be there. I, got, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When our youth and those raised in our pews question our standards, doubt our doctrine, we need a revival. You can believe what you want to believe, but I don't think a seminar is going to do it. I don't think you can talk people into convictions. I don't think you can debate people into convictions. But I know one thing, if somebody will pop their hand on your head and pray until the Holy One gets in you, then you won't have any trouble with standards and holiness and separation from the world. The problem's carnality. The problem is worldliness. The problem is we need a revival. There was a day, Brother Carpenter, we preach revival, 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 revival. 
preacher. Evangelism. While sinners are coming in and getting on fire, saints are drying up in their sins. When sinners have to fight their way through a mob trying to leave to get to an altar to repent, we need revival. When the pastor announces we're getting ready to baptize some folks and they head for McDonald's, we need a revival. We need a brand new feeling of what it was like when we got saved. Too many saints got saved and they got over it. I'm going to tell you, a cold, worldly, pathetic, fleshly-filled, carnal church is not going to turn this world upside down. No marketing program, no salesmanship, no fancy flyers, no beautiful advertisements, but saints that are on fire will shake this world. I'm going to leave out some stuff and come on toward a conclusion. But let me give you the true definition of revival. He said, revive us. And he said, this is how you're going to know when the church is revived. That thy people may rejoice in thee. True revival is when the church rejoices in Jesus. I fear our joy has become diverted, distracted, and diminished when it's based upon money, masses, and miracles instead of simply Jesus. You see, I say Jesus... I get three grunts and one wave. But he said, you're going to know when the church is in revival because their joy is simply going to be they've got Jesus. You don't need a new job to have joy if you got Jesus. You don't need a new house to have joy if you got Jesus. You don't need 12 more feet on your yacht if you got Jesus. You don't need another 100,000 in your retirement account if you got Jesus. When the church has revival, you're going to know that people will run the aisles just because they got Jesus. People will dance just because they got Jesus. People will stand up just because they've got Jesus. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. How long has it been since you sat in church? And you <laughs> You may be seated.
here a while back, I was traveling. And I was in this pastor's office. And he said, I want to show you something. And he pulled out this child's toy. <laughs> it's called a Tickle Me Elmo. Anybody got Tickle Me Elmo? I got the high dollar ticket Tickle Me Elmo. This pastor had in his office. When I saw that thing, I said, I got to get me one of those. I went to Toys R Us and I bought me a Tickle Me Elmo. And I brought it home. And I showed it to family and friends. And they said, is that Hunley's? I said, no, it's mine. Is that Christiana's? No, it's mine. They can play with it when they're over here, but it stays at Grandbuddy's house. That's mine. That Tickle Me Elmo is the funniest thing I've ever seen. He laughs, bends over, falls on his back, rolls on the floor, rolls over and pounds the floor. How long has it been since you did that in the Holy Ghost? I'm seeing too many sad sack Christians in the apostolic church. I'm seeing too many worry warts. I'm seeing too many fearful Freddies on our pews when they look like they've lost their best friend instead of found a good friend. Revival is when the joy of the Lord is in the church and the saints are in love just with Jesus. So here's the true definition of revival. It's God repairing and restoring the church, causing the church to recover that which has eroded and that which has failed. Revival is getting it back. other than just physical appearance there should be no observable differences in worship between long term saints and new converts you shouldn't walk through the church and pick out all the sour pussies and say I know you've had it a while ugliness is not holiness and sourness is not righteousness the book still says the joy of the Lord is your strength not just how you look with your clothes not just where you go and where you don't go not just what you say and you don't say. Your strength is not in the predication of all of that. It's in how much joy do you have. I move to conclusion with this verse. 
Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with holy smoke. The New King James Version reads like this. And the post of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. When the pillars when the pillars of the temple moved at the voice they heard, holy smoke filled the house. Brand new converts run the aisles and everybody says, bless his sweet little heart. Isn't that darling precious? Some of the professional Pentecostals say, look at that little heathen. He ain't got enough sense to know what two plus two is. It's an ignoramus is what he got. Eli could tell Samuel what to do. When you hear it, when you feel it, when it speaks to you. But he never heard it. There's a lot of folks that come to church to tell everybody what to do. They can tell you how many times you're supposed to run in a service. They can tell you how many times you're supposed to clap your hands. They feel like they're deputized to keep order in the house of God. The only problem is they never feel anything that makes them want to do it. When you convert shout, it's like throwing a little old pebble in a lake. Just a little ripple. But if we could ever get our pillars to move. Now I know I'm fixing to really get off to a bad start here tonight. Because I'm fixing to preach to the gray heads. The heart attacks and the hearing aids. Arthritis, lumbago, and bald heads. You are the target of my message tonight. I better refuel them. It's easy to get the new converts dancing. It's easy to get the new saints on fire and moving in the aisles. But the problem in Michigan is not the new folks. It's the pillars of the assembly that are stuck in professional Pentecostal concrete.
I've had some folks come preach for me. I had Brother Ballesteros come preach for me. I've had Roland Baker come preach for me. I've had Robert Henson come preach for me. And they have encouraged me, Lord. Some of the greatest preachers in the world. And that same bunch just sat there. I thought it was me. You guys don't know what your ministry means to me. <laughs> I'm encouraged in the Lord. Because they didn't just sit on me, they sat on them. And I'm preaching to folks that's heard a whole lot better preachers than me. And you sat on a whole lot better preaching than you hear tonight. I want to know how sincere Michigan is about a revival and about a move of God. It ain't going to happen when these little kids start jumping and start hollering and carrying on. No, no, no. If we could just get the pillars of the assembly to start moving in the sanctuary, I promise you, holy smoke would fill your church. Let's all stand. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's no position in the church that exempts you from revival. There is no office in the church that exempts you from worshiping God. No trustee, no board member, no secretary, no deacon, no foundational member whose name's on the side of the pew. But if in the state of Michigan we could get some of our pillars to move, I believe the Holy Ghost would fill this house. You say, Brother Hundley, you don't understand. I'm old, I'm weary, I'm worn, I'm tired. I have a verse for you. In Hebrews eleven twenty one, the Bible said, "By faith Jacob worshipped leaning on his staff." I'm old. I'm sick. I'm tired, but I still got a praise for God. When a man that's basically blind is the first one down to the altar, heaven's going to respond to that. 
when a man that's 77 years old realizes I need to move at the word. I need to move at the sound of his voice. I don't want any new converts to come. If you hadn't had the Holy Ghost over 30 years, stay where you are. But if you had the Holy Ghost 30 years or more, I'm calling you to the front tonight. If you've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years or more, I'm calling you to the front tonight. And I heard David say, Wilt thou not revive us again? We need a Holy Ghost revival. Revive me, Lord. Revive us. Revive me, Lord. Let the rain from heaven flood Lift your hands. You that are still back at the pews, place your hands this way. Pray for these pillars. Pray for these pillars. Pray for these pillars. God, renew us. God, restore us. God, we need revival. Bring my joy back. Bring my shout back. Up the heaven. Woo!